Welcome to the Bangers List podcast, uh, a podcast about a playlist because all the other good ideas were taken. You know, originally we wanted to do a podcast where I guess we'd interview like D-list celebrities and give them a platform to share their stories on, but that idea was taken. Unbelievable, I know. And apparently it's quite popular now. So we've stuck to doing this and we're like fifth down the list of like, you know, music podcasts. So here we are, myself and Daniel, no Julian this week, but uh, you'll survive. How are you, mate? you right. Yeah, mate, I'm going well. How are you? Yeah, steady. Very excited for this week. Um, in new music, about all I can say this week is a little band called Umbra Vitae. I think that's how you say it. Released a new album, which is some death grind, core kind of stuff with ex-singer from a band called Converge. Uh, right. We, we were going to put them on the playlist, but I didn't think you guys would like it, so it isn't on the playlist yet. I'll oh, just chuck uh, it on there, mate. Yeah, just that's put what it on it's there. about. That's what it's about, yep. Anything else? Uh, no, I haven't really been listening to anything new aside from the uh, Trivium album we mentioned oh, last week. What the dead men say, it's it's fucking great. I just want to say I've been listening to it nonstop. So that's kind of kept me occupied and a bit distracted from the, the bangers list a little bit. I apologize, yeah. but uh, I'll get back to business soon, I promise. But um, Killswitch Engage uh, re- have released a B-side EP, an EP with uh, tracks that didn't quite make the initial cut for their latest album, Atonement, which was released last year. Uh, contains um, that album contains the Signal Fire, which we did a podcast on late last year, I believe, and just a EP, a handful of songs that didn't quite make the the album cut, and all proceeds from the album go to charity. So it's just a little something different for you for anyone who's wanting, you know, a little bit of a. Oh, it's actually more of the same. <laughs> that's more. Yeah. Of the same. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> if you like it these is. guys, listen to the shit they didn't like. But they. <laughs> You know, well, maybe it maybe it could just be what the producers didn't like, you know. Although Adam oh, Beaters produce a lot of their stuff, true. So. But there could be some, yeah, it could be some good ones on there. Who knows? I haven't listened to it yet, but I should check it out for sure. But yeah, look, this uh, week, what are we doing? What are we looking at? What's the song? We're, we're looking at uh, the Nexus by a band called Amaranth, a Swedish band with a, a very interesting lineup, and yep. uh, we'll, we'll get into that a bit later on. But um, Sample right now? Okay, yeah, so let's jump in. All right, jump in. Just fine and just cut me off, jump in, whatever. Let's go for it. <laughs> uh, yep. Okay, so this, uh, this, Song is the title track from the Nexus album, which I believe was released in 2013, the second in Amaranth's discography. Now, the Amaranth, I think they formed back in 2008. Yeah, that's what a year. And interesting fact, we'll start with interesting fact. Uh, One of the founders, I believe one of the founders of the band anyway, was, uh, what was his name? I think Jake E, he's He's referred to as Jake E, just letter E. Don't know. Obviously, it's a stage name or a nickname or whatever. Uh, but he he was formerly of Dream Evil. Had a little yeah, stint in Dream yeah. Evil. That's super. So, and it's yeah, that, actually like I read I read up about that, and that kind of fascinated me because he uh, when I first heard Amaranth, I kind of the singer kind of reminded me of uh, Dream Evil. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. There's some similarities there. Got that that uh, European European metal style of singing going on yep, yep. and um, little did I know it was actually the same fucking singer. So who would have thought, oh, but uh, it's a small world. Yeah. And uh, a little bit more on the, the other members of the band. So, you know, they've got a, a ridiculous amount of layers they're very ambitious. These guys, ridiculous amount of track layering and, and 
different style influences and they, they incorporate a bunch of different genres into, into one basically. And you'll hear in this song, you'll hear some keys and synth, you'll hear heavy chugging guitars throughout. You'll hear three vocalists, three, three different vocalists. And obviously uh, not one vocalist doing three things. No, three different vocalists doing three different things. So yeah. Um, so the, the three singers are covering three different styles, yeah. styles of singing. Yeah. So you've got, I'd say I'd, I'd call her the, the lead, Elise, female, obviously female-led band, this one, and Elise's vocals sort of cover the, take, take the bulk of the work. She t- does a lot of the grunt work and most of the choruses and, and a fair chunk of the verses as well. And uh, she gets support from an unclean vocalist and a clean vocalist, both males. So it's an interesting, creates a very unique, interesting dynamic that I don't think I've actually heard before, which is why these guys got my attention and uh, I had, there was one stage I think so a couple of years ago where I got right into them and just okay. listened to a few of the albums on repeat for a, I'd say like three or four months at least it was a bit of a phase there and uh yeah and what are your thoughts on that the the three um okay I didn't think it would work things. I think it'd be very hard to work and in this band's case I think they could almost lose the male clean vocalist that's just my opinion but in, in having him it is something different they all do have pretty good vocals but again i for some reason, it's just me. I don't know if the female, uh, the sorry, male lead singer fits. I don't know. It's it's good. It's a different sound. And obviously, the last couple of weeks, I think we've just done, um, you know, either heavy growls with uh, cleans, and this is uh, another take, another step that you can go in another direction. Well, yeah. Look, it's it's certainly a, a unique, a unique setup, a unique arrangement, and it's uh, those three types of vocalists like they create that unique dynamic but like i mentioned it's not just the um it's not just the vocals but you think about the other different uh instruments you've got sort of incorporated into this you've got uh, some keys and synth you've got bass you've got guitar it sounds like there's two good gu- two guitars playing but um and on the recording there is but when they do it live i think it's just the one guitarist and and they just kind of dub some tracks but yeah it's a very very ambitious I think uh, very ambitious style of music. When they play live, is their main guitarist? Does he play the keyboard? Is there a keyboard player? I can't remember if I've seen. I, haven't I seen don't believe before. so. I don't believe okay. so. I think they've. They're sort of. From what I've seen, they've done lots of different. They've had lots of different approaches when it comes to. Yeah. Play, so they'll uh, use a backing track which has their keyboard on it. Then, which yeah. is fine because I'm pretty sure the guitarist plays the keyboard for them as well. Yeah. For some reason, I think I come yeah. across that. That's oh, that. That's correct. Yeah. So the guitarist, I believe, he writes the guitar parts, and uh, and the key parts as well. And it's yeah, I'm sure he contributes to. I think he might even do some of the bass parts as well. Because there's been a time where it might have been, could have even been current where they don't actually have a a bassist and they just they record a bass track, obviously. But then when yeah. they play live, they um they dub it. Hey hey, hey look, bass is just guitar with less strings. It's <laughs> yeah yeah right. <laughs> I'd say that to a bassist and immediately trigger him. But <laughs> very underrated instrument is bass. I wouldn't actually know where to start, to be honest. Yeah, so coming into this particular song, The Nexus, the title track off uh, the album of the same name. Yeah, lots of interesting bits and pieces going on there. Let's um, talk about the styles and the genres they seem to squash yeah. together. So this song is power metal, basically, which is oh, yeah. you know fast, progressive, uh, melodic metal that has uh, a very epic feeling to it. Basically, that's, that's what I've broken it down to. There's elements of metalcore in there, and there's elements of dance music, pop music, and uh, heavy metal. I'd say so those four genres have come together to make this uh, beautiful sounding track, <laughs> I guess. The female lead singer is usually the thing that you'd relate to pop music and what would give that poppy feel. 
but for me, it's the keyboard that does it the most in this case. Her voice is great. I know it's rare to have female vocalists in metal for whatever reason. She could sing lead in a lot of metal bands, something they're clean. She's got a powerful voice. Um, it doesn't sound too like, I guess the word is whiny. It's not so high-pitched. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, you know, it's great. Very strong, very powerful. And I wish she could cover a, a song like, oh, I don't know, something by Simple Plan, you know. <laughs> Give it some more. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, fair enough. I mean... I agree with what you're saying about the um, the keyboard. I think it's that's probably the the layer or the the track that sort of makes the song, doesn't it? Makes it really sort of yeah. Uh, but I guess if if you took the guitar out of this song, you'd probably have like a a dance track basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, so maybe they should go down that path. Just get rid of that guy that plays the guitar. Mm-hmm. Keep the guitar player because he has to play keyboard. But remove the guitar. So the guitar in this song really heavy, really fast for a lot of it, right? Mm. And I think that's the one thing that really pushes it into metal. So maybe yeah. I'm not, maybe I'm ignorant. Yeah. No, look, it does sound like they've got a, a classic drop D or drop C guitar in there and they're chugging away and it's constant chug and there's plenty of yeah, so riffs, <laughs> plenty of riffs in this song. Get the fuck out. Let me break down this, uh, <laughs> the, the rhythmic patterns of the guitar. Mm. Um, they sound like galloping through all of them, yeah. right? And we know, yeah. I guess galloping is uh, a power metal, a metal kind of um, mainstay because of the feeling of always it's like speed that it gives it. Um, yeah, very prominent and, in yeah. European metal. Oh, European metal. This band, we'll talk about them in a second. I think they are from a European or Sweden yeah. or somewhere. Swedish. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, this, the galloping feel, I, I just got like triplets. I, I guess it is a triplet in a way, but it's more like a triplet is just like one, three notes over one beat, right? And if you have triplet, triplet, Correct. triplet, it's not like this galloping feel. That makes sense. I know that's probably fucking, it's going to be hard to explain, but I'll try. I feel like the triplets in this song are like an eighth note into two sixteenths. Does that make sense? They're, they're fast, but it's like the one slightly longer than two very fast. And it makes us feel like you're kind of galloping along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's, this has been uh, prevalent through metal for a long time, especially in power metal to get that fast feeling. Like I said, moving things along. I think Iron Maiden were big on um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, having the triplets. Yep. So it's, I just think it's very interesting that the slightest little change in note length gives you this feeling, you know, like the galloping. It's for someone that could probably write music better than me rhythmically, like the creativity is there. It's such a small thing that people don't think about, I guess, because like, you know, these notes of the slightest changes in size and length and boom, it's a whole new sound. And that's like the whole thing about creativity and music, isn't it? That small changes can make big effects on a whole piece, blah, blah, blah. And fucking boom. And that's all guitar does for most of the song, right? Has... Those gallops and a solo, I believe. It's got a solo and then the, the build-up to the solo. You could almost call it a breakdown. I don't know. The beat doesn't yeah, right. really sort it, it, of yeah, diverge a, too much. But it's a bridge. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, we call it a bridge. And <laughs> yeah. um, bridge into the solo. That's that's sort of where those um, the riffage really comes into it. I think uh, it, it just breaks away from the, the straight gallop kind of all the way through. And I guess the, the during the chorus, the, the sort of they'll let the guitars breathe a little bit more. Um, mm. you go from sort of a tight chugs utilizing those triplets into into the chorus where it just it breathes and and it better accommodates the vocals as well because like, yeah. you know, like those soaring vocals from Elise it's really a yeah it, it ties in well with that and I think um, they've got to complement each other the, the guitar and the vocals and it's like talk about songs and how they kind of evolve and go from one gear to another like when it gets to that when it gets to that chorus I mean you've got the uh, the the melodies from Elise's vocals and then you've got the guitars and, and the, the riffs and the chords that are utilized they complement it really well and so i think that's yeah it's those little things those little tiny 
little tiny subtle changes you make that you don't really think about as a listener too often unless that really break down the song and really like pay attention to what's going on in the track. Like we're pretending to do now. Yeah. <laughs> Look, and we're probably wrong about half of <laughs> We just <laughs> we get carried away, forget we're on a podcast, just talking to each other. About yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how about those rudiments? Hey, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Swedish bands, mate. Um, we have talked about a Swedish band before, I believe. Um, so have these we? guys, yeah, one of the first episodes. Long story, doesn't matter. Uh, well, mm. Yeah, these guys are from well Gothenburg, but I believe they pronounce it Hjotabori. Thank you. Right. Which is, you know, southern Sweden, so it's not as cold as, I guess, northern Sweden, but it still does get cold. And that's the secret to Sweden, isn't it? You know, power metal is, not power metal, but all metal is so, like, popular there and the bands that come from there seem to be so amazing. I'm, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again to remind all the new listeners, it's, it's so cold, you just stay inside all day and just practice an instrument. That's what you do there, right? Beautiful place, but you stay yeah. inside. It's a great theory. <laughs> Yeah, I wish, like, it's hard for us because, you know, we're Australian. You want to stay inside and play music, but fucking Dingo steals your baby. you got to chase it up the street in your pluggers. It's fucking awful, mate. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Surrounded by bushfires, yeah. constantly packing your bag, getting ready to evacuate, you know. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, maybe the maybe the this breakout, the, the pandemic forcing us to stay home, that could be a blessing in disguise. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Australians will finally be good at music. And Who knows? <laughs> no, there's, there's heaps of great Aussie music out there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should jump into the, a bit of the lyrics and the, the meaning of this song. This, oh, is, a, mate, this, this one, is a bit of a different take. Way over my head. I've got <laughs> no idea. Can you please break these? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I will, I'll help you out. It's a concept album. So, you know, it's a story. It's a theme. And it's following on from their self-titled debut. This, is their, this was their yeah, second release, I believe, the Nexus. Yeah, their second release and following on from their self-titled debut. And it's a concept album. I don't know the full story and I... I tried looking into looking at interviews and they, they don't really give you much to work with, but they tell you it's a concept album and it's futuristic. It's about, okay. and this song in particular, I think is about, because the Nexus is like, it's a, it's a connection between something. It's a link between something. And I think they're talking about the link like between your past or current self and then breaking free of that and, and setting yourself for a, a new and better future. Right? And deep. And yeah, but yeah, it is, it is deep, but it's just it's very interesting the way they go about it and yeah. doing it in a, in, in a concept album approach. And then, so this particular song is like a, you know, a chapter of that story. Uh, the video, I looked at the video clip and the video clip, you'll notice that there's a bunch of these, these dudes off in the, um, I think they're off in the, off in the army from memory and they go into cryo chambers and they freeze themselves for like 57 years or some shit and wake up later in the future and then cause a ruckus. And it's like, yeah. So I think the message is about trying to break free from what's happened in the past and, oh, and the yeah. world you're living in and how you can, how you can make a difference yeah, in, the, um, in the future. So I thought how you can take control of your life basically. Is that that's right. That's good. Like we usually sing about or the bands we've talked about, sing about things like their feelings and shit like that. Hmm. And this being power metal, um, obviously a bit different. I used to listen to power metal way back in the day because I thought the fast guitar and stuff was awesome. And the theme of all the songs seemed to be something epic. They'd like almost sing like stories or stuff about, I guess, fantasy or oh, things yeah. that weren't their feelings and relationships. Like, this is yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not emo. Sick. <laughs> so, Dragon yeah. Force, right? That's yeah, Dragon Force. Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever else I used to listen to. And it's interesting. And just the whole approach of writing concept albums is I find very fascinating because I think it'd be very hard to write something that's tailored specifically to one, one underlying theme or one story. So you pick a theme or a topic and then you write the whole album yeah. about it. So yeah. for example, you can do, 
the ocean, mm. which I think I believe Amity Fiction might have done. And now, not not a concept, but the whole album was themed around the ocean. Like the whole discography, maybe. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good one. Um, so, in reality, I could say, like, I'm going to write my whole album about fucking chests of drawers. And then, like, mm. every song has to be about drawers or thematically Dude. linked back to drawers. That's, that's, that's so deep, man. That's so deep. <laughs> When's the release? Oh, fucking never because it's impossible to write songs. But you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's very hard to pick something and then mm. stay focused and write all your songs about it, I, I personally think. Hard to do. So kudos to those guys to do it. But maybe like at the same time, maybe they find it easier because they've got that direction. They're like, I'm going to write about this. This is what yeah. we're going to write about rather than just waiting for ideas to pop in their head. Yeah, fuck, it's scrap like, what I said, mate. I, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it depends on the person, really. Yeah. And, um, and what you're into it. And it's interesting, this whole concept writing approach with Amaranth really going back to their several layers and several influences with their music and their blending of genres. I think it, it ties into their concept really well. If you think about the, the concept being like a future, right? Very, a futuristic theme. And you think about the, the synth and electronic elements that are in there. That uh, kind of gives you the futuristic feels, right? Like and laser then, beams and shit. Yeah, like that that sort of thing and, and rockets and stars and all that like crap. It makes me think it makes me think of space when I hear this song and uh, oh, okay. music. It makes me think of yeah, the, the cosmos and takes me away to, to takes me away to sort of that kind of space. Damn it. Are other songs on the album in a similar vein that they sound like this as well? I've I've listened to a yeah, few yeah. Of Oh there's a, well there's a song called Stardust. There we go. Space. Yep. Uh, there's a song called Theory of Everything. That look, they're really there's sprinkles of this sort of stuff. Like there's keys throughout the entire album. It's not just this song. Like it's so. I think basically every single track there's keys of some description. Yeah. Um, you know, some songs are more focused on certain instruments than others, but uh, at the end of the day, yeah, like they've got those little tasteful additions that uh, they help paint the picture really well. So I think yeah, it really sort of creates that image in your mind of you know of a, a future world. Basically. Yeah. 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 Fucking nice. Um, this band, another thing that Lumford just said, didn't the lead singer Elise? Mm-hmm. She started this band. I believe so. The guitar. Yeah. That's so she's got together him and said we'll start this. But she said something like, when she was in school, in one of her last years at school, someone went to the school and like asked, "Do you have anyone that we able to sing for a power metal band?" How Swedish is that? And the person <laughs> that got asked that said, "Oh yeah, Elise, you want to sing for a fucking power metal band?" How crazy yeah. would that be? Like, just your school that helps you get into your metal singing career. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, I feel like if that happened here in Australia, I'd just be like, hey, do you want to play in a power metal band? Or do you know anyone who wants to play in a power metal band? And then the response would be, what the fuck's power metal? Everyone's just there like, no, mate, we play footy and fix cars. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, um, So, look, some bands that are similar to these guys, um, I guess the big one is Nightwish, most popular in this, this genre, this niche. Mm-hmm. Um, some other ones, I uh, guess that I know of uh, one called Ginger, which is spelled mm-hmm. with J's yep. instead of G's. Now you hit me with one. Well, uh, oh, the, what about Arch Enemy? I was no, about I, to say them, yeah, Arch Enemy. No, no, just because it's a female lead singer doesn't make it the fucking same. <laughs> but, but you know, they're, they're, it's, it is, they're different, but there are some similarities there. So if you like, if you do like uh, Amaranth, you might uh, give Arch Actually, me a bit of a go. They tour no, together. It's, it's a uh, yeah. They, they tour together. I think they might even uh, do some songs together. But it's a big jump to go f- mm. from this to like Arch Enemies death metal. Oh yeah, but, look, it's just Arch Enemies more a focus on the metal side of things. Yeah, 
it's a real it was a real jarring kind of thing to learn that Archer's yeah. lead singer was like a petite little female. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't expect that much power and anger to come from a, such a little person. I wouldn't actually say listen to Arch Enemy if you like these guys. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um Look, I think I think you covered it with Nightwish. That was the first one that popped into my head as well. You know, Nightwish are very ambitious in that sense too. And I think do Nightwish have some unclean vocals occasionally? I believe they do, don't they? Yeah, um, they just got more of a focus on, I guess, more proggy and really lengthy songs. Yeah, and telling songs. stories a lot of the time. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. touching on opera. Yeah. Um, and if you like that style of singing, I mean, obviously Evanescence is a very so Amy Lee's voice has some similarities to Elise's voice in the yeah. the tone she gets, and then having that kind of voice over a predominantly a, a, a heavy rock or, or metal kind of tone um, creates that yeah creates a very interesting dynamic. So, do you think Elise's voice could have made it in the pop industry, or yeah, I guess maybe there's no Swedish pop music scene that would get popular enough to become mm. westernized, you know? Yeah. But I wonder if you could replace, mm, I don't know, Rihanna <laughs> with Elise or something. Well, what, cool. what did you? How, what made you think of Rihanna? Oh, I was going to say Katy Perry, but I said Katy Perry last week. Well, Rihanna, so. because she's actually been compared to Rihanna. It's, oh, really? I did an interview with her, and and she's talking about how Rihanna released. I think when Rihanna released Umbrella yeah. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the same time, Elise was doing some of her own sort of poppy side project stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, or it might have been it was probably before the Amaranth days, actually. So I think she was releasing some stuff around the same time on her own. And then um, and then some friends and family hit her up and said, oh, because they recognised, they, they know Elisa's voice. So apparently it's so similar to Rihanna's when she's singing in this, this certain way that uh, um, her friends started to call her and say, oh, congratulations on all the airplay. Like, you're doing so well, thinking it's Elisa's voice. And it's just <laughs> She's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Um, I, I, I think, about that, eh? yeah, nice, good on her. Because she grew up in, from what I can gather, like a very musical upbringing. Her fa- her parents were very musical people, mm-hmm. and I wonder if having that background in your family helps you get into a musical, creative kind of career. Because for me, like, I don't know a single person in my family that can even know what a guitar is yeah. or sing or anything. I don't know. Your family are they the same? Yeah, pretty. Much. I mean, you know, I've got. In some extended family, I've got some music background, and but yeah. in, in, my, in terms of my direct family, like mum or dad, like never touched an instrument in their life, really, to my yeah. knowledge, and can't sing or anything. Uh, it's it's weird. It's like it's I thought it was in the blood, but I think it might just be more like the support you get growing up might almost dictate the success you'll have mm. in your life because you have a lot of support and stuff, and you you able to yeah. see if your parents are singing and playing music all the time. It'll help you grow into a musician, yeah. I think. So not that it's holding us back or anything, mm. but yeah, it's just interesting to see how you can come from a musical background and yeah. Yeah. No, flourish. Absolutely. Yeah. I think everyone's going to be different. I think you look at people like Slash, for example, Slash was just a dedicated dude. Yeah. Didn't have much going for him in his life. I don't know. His mum may have had some minor, or she might've played some instruments. I don't know, but not, not to the degree that she was, you know, that was her life kind of thing. And uh, so Slasher to sort of pave his own path there. And he, he just sort of, he'd play for 10 or 12 hours a day and just keep going away and, um, and just get better and better and better. But he also like he had a pretty tough upbringing as well. And, um, and there are some people uh, who are just surrounded by music their whole life. And it's just, they don't know any other way, you know? And it, yeah. Like if you lived uh, a carny life, you know, you're like, mm. 
your parents were in a carnival moving yeah. around. You, that, that would be who you became, oh, I that's, guess. That's right, yeah. And you, and you would have heard of Tommy Emmanuel, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Going a bit off topic, but uh, those of you who don't know Tommy Emmanuel, he's one of the probably one of the best guitarists in the world, I'd say. The, the stuff he can do is basically it sounds like there's four or five guitarists playing at once. Or, or instruments two, even, yeah. Four or five instruments and he's just, yeah, he's absolutely insane. But that he had that not not the carny lifestyle, but ever since he was I think about five or six years old, he'd go around playing um, playing shows with his family. Like his family had like this this band kind of thing going on, this little family band, and his brothers played, his sister played, and their respective instruments, and they're just you know they're just amongst it from the get go, and they didn't know any other way. He wasn't musically trained or anything. He was just surrounded by music and played guitar his whole life. And, yeah, damn. Um, to the point where he's you know made a, a living from it. He would have eventually yeah, had strongly. to learn learn the uh, theory behind it all. I think to be as good I think as he so, is. Yeah, but he still says today, he's like, I don't read sheet music. Oh, what a mad. Yeah, it, obviously, it makes sense to him. His own messed yeah. up. Yeah, there would, way, there would but, be an understanding. Yeah, yeah. But I think music in itself, the, the proper way, is it's, kind of messed up anyway. <laughs> I think music just means, at its most basic level, it's just an organization of sound. Well, that's right. Yeah, exactly right. And another, I think I've said this before, but another person that had a similar. Not upbringing, but the way they played was so structured that it kind of pushed him to where he is. I think, you know, Tom Morello used to play mm-hmm. eight hours a day at least and like two hours was like, you know, theory and then it was like scales, then it was like improv and then whatever else. But to play eight hours a day like it's your full-time job, I just think it's yeah, so much commitment like paid off for him, right? Well, that's right, like, yeah. It's And it's how crazy is that? That's just a very disciplined approach to it. Yeah, that's the disciplined approach. You don't, yeah, you don't often hear that. Like typically when you associate think of a musician and, and their you know how they how they practice you kind of wouldn't expect that because you think that creative mind they might sort of be a bit more blase about it and lack that structure and a bit, bit more sort of chaotic in their in their approach to their their yeah. regime or their their day to their their daily routine you know it's uh, so it's interesting to hear that people like Tom Morello would just be like right two hours of this two hours of that two hours yeah of that, and just getting the most out of it. Because it's like Maybelline, I guess. I always see people like, oh, they were born so skilled. Yeah. But that's not the case at all. Like they actually have to work to get there. You really do. Oh, yeah. You can't get there without the work. But yeah. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, sorry about that. Back to metal. Back to (laughs) to to hardcore playlist. Yeah, we've, we've really diverged from hardcore the last couple of weeks, haven't we? Yeah, great. A bit of something different for the listeners. Yeah. If you want Julian back, give us a like. (laughs) If you want Julian back, we have to do a song. That he doesn't hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, do you have any other songs by these guys that you think are worth Yeah, listening? yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, oh no. go, go ben, well, do we have an extra like 10 minutes here? <laughs> we can name all their songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple. So off their most recent album, The Helix, I'd suggest you guys listen to the title track, The Helix. Uh, I think oh, it's going I was going to say that. I think that was, <laughs> that was one of the ones I had. I was, this is good. Yeah, it's it's a banger, that's for sure. And um, if you want to ch- check out something a little bit different, they've got a bit of a, Julian would absolutely love this one, a bit of a, a rapcore-esque sort of song. Nice. <laughs> I, I love uh, a bit of rap G- in my middle. GG6. Yeah. And um, it's even got like a bit of a experience with a bit, bit of dubstep incorporating some dubstep elements into that as well, which made me, I thought it would make me sort of dislike the song a little bit, but just made me dislike dubstep a little less. So, oh, that's, yeah. that's cool. That's growth. Yeah. Cause usually it's because you give bands, you like a little bit more tether, mm. you know, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's how I got into uh, hardcore. It was those bands that sort of kind of in between. 
Yeah. Um, that would, I was like, I wasn't expecting them to do unclean vocals. They have a track or two. It's like, what the hell's going on here? And then it just grows on you. And then it's like, anyway. that, that, no, it's like that meme with like the little Jimmy kid and his mum, And she's like, don't go near the hardcore kids. Jimmy He's like too late. I love hardcore now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So look, a couple of, a couple of bangers to check out there. Um, and yeah, look, they're probably, Two that stand out to me. Another one off Helix is uh, Dream. It's a fantastic song. A little bit slower, a bit more of a focus on melody and, and a build-up, and I really, really dig it. And uh, Yeah, so look, they've got a, a great uh, a great discography from what I've heard so far. I've probably given three of their five albums a really, really good listen, and um, I'm a fan of all three of them. So yeah, nice. bangs for this song. Tough one. I think if you asked me when I put pop this on the list, I would have given it a, a nine. I'm going to downgrade it to an eight and a half half. still still fantastic still fantastic and it's just um yeah nothing particularly wrong with it or anything i I like everything about it it keeps up it's it keeps up the pace throughout the duration of the song but still has enough divergence in it to sort of keep you guessing make you think a little bit and quality of the musicians in here is fantastic yeah very very high and at least i'm gonna make her my mvp as well i think Mm, you just think she's cute we get it oh yeah yeah, well, you know that that might have something to do with it, but I think without her, the song wouldn't quite get to those heights. I think she yeah, bring it to those those heights. What so. band would they be without her? Mm. I wonder. Mm-hmm. Dream Evil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well done. Um, I'm going to give it seven point five. I uh, because of my ignorance in understanding the lyrics and not realizing that it was uh, the a theme <laughs> track, a themed album. Like that's yeah. Yeah, um, and it's a lot more straightforward than you think when you read. Go back and read the lyrics, and you're like, "Oh, it's a concept album. They're telling a story here." It's like, okay, cool, get it now. Yeah, very cool. Anything else you want to talk about, or should we uh, get out of here? I think everyone's been a bit sick of hearing my voice lately. It's been the Daniel show lately. We need to get Julian back and get yep. us to some uh, some more intense hardcore songs again. Uh, yep. We've got some Let good us... ones coming up, I believe. But... Oh, keen. I hope so. Let us know in the comments though if you are. Uh... I'm missing Julian, so we know. And and let us know if you're not missing him as well. Yeah, because he'd love to know. Yeah, either way, just just hit us up. All right. Thanks, everyone. Take it easy. Talk to you next week. Cheers, guys. Peace. All right. So do I press stop recording now or do you want to just keep going? <laughs>